0: I was once on a bicycle trip with a group of women and it turned out one of them, I made a joke because I was like, why are you always looking at your phone? We're here relaxing, whatever. And one of them was like, it's because I'm an abortion accompanier and I can never turn my phone off.
1: That's how journalist Andalusia Noll found out one of her friends was a volunteer accompanier in Mexico, guiding women through the process of getting an abortion when options are limited.
0: So it's like, where they are having fun, and she's actually responding to women that are getting abortions. It's
1: through social networks that women find each other. Those seeking the procedure and the women who counsel them through it. The accompaniment model. Abortions are mostly illegal in Mexico. So women have created their own networks to share information on how to get one. With or without a doctor. Now... As Mexico's Supreme Court prepares to hear three cases involving abortion rights, some activists say they'd rather focus their fight on the local level. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take.
0: My name is Andalusia noel Solov. I'm a multimedia journalist and documentary filmmaker in Mexico.
1: Andalusia is an American journalist who's been living in Mexico City for the last 10 years. And the story we're talking about today has taken her a while to gain access to.
0: This story about abortion via social networks, I have actually been working on for two years. It's not very easy to get this access because it is a clandestine activity.
1: If someone is pregnant in Mexico and they are looking to have an abortion, what do they do? Where do they go?
0: It really depends where they are and also the access to information that they have. Because right now in Mexico, abortion is only legal in Mexico City and the state of Oaxaca, It is legal across the entire country in the case of rape and some other causes.
1: Violence against women remains a big problem in Mexico, and women have taken it upon themselves to take to the streets in protest and to create movements seeking change.
0: The feminist movement in general has become a lot stronger because 10 women are killed every single day in Mexico and many of them killed just for being a woman and women are kidnapped and disappeared and raped and harassed. But generally, right now, if a woman is pregnant anywhere outside of Mexico City or Oaxaca, their options are very limited. They can travel to Mexico City and get an abortion where there are organizations such as Fondo Maria that help women that don't have the necessary money to get to Mexico City. They help them travel to Mexico City to be able to get an abortion. And increasingly popular is kind of accompaniment via social networks and WhatsApp, helping women realize abortions at home using an over-the-counter medicine called misoprostol that's normally used for ulcers and using this medicine to be able to abort at home within the first few weeks of uh, their pregnancy.
1: The result is a nexus of women informing each other on how to do everything from determine if they are pregnant to terminate their pregnancies at home with medicine. Are there numbers of who is getting an abortion, who's getting a clandestine abortion? What do we know about that?
0: We know that since Mexico City legalized abortion in 2007, according to official figures, Close to 232,000 women have terminated their pregnancy. That both includes women from Mexico City, that includes women from other countries, and that also includes women from other states who traveled to Mexico City to uh, get abortions. About clandestine abortions, it's not so easy to get those statistics, but the organization that we spoke to, Moras Help Moras, which is Girls Help Girls, they say that on average, 10 women contact them every single day about abortions. That probably doesn't mean that 10 women uh, with their help are aborting every single day, but that does give you a number of a small organization that's on the internet with very little resources and how many women are actually contacting them.
1: But not all women have access to help online. Many women in rural parts of Mexico don't even have access to routine health services.
0: These are places where the nearest hospital is 10 hours away. There's no doctor. And then often these are communities where there are indigenous women that don't speak Spanish and don't have access to health services in their own language. And in many of these communities, there are actually higher levels of death induced by, we don't know if they're from clandestine abortions or from lack of access to health services, but it's believed that it's from both.
1: What happens when someone contacts this organization, because I'm I'm assuming it happens online, but 10 women every day, are they from all over the country? Can you walk me through what would happen?
0: Yeah. So when we finally were able to go with Sofia from Moras Help Moras to her house, you know, she drinks her morning coffee and she's on the computer and she actually let us watch her screen as she responded to people. And it was very surreal to see they have like a very cool, young profile that invites people to want to check out their materials online, on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. And so they make it like very open and accessible for women of any age to contact them. And so while we were watching her screen, a woman wrote and she goes, I'm 15 years old. I know I'm very young. I don't know if I'm pregnant. I really don't want to be because I have many family
1: problems. I want to know if I can take something for my period to come.
0: Like very panicked and like apologizing. And uh, Sophia helping her says, don't worry. The first thing you have to do is find out if you're actually pregnant. And so she coaches her through what to do.
1: You can purchase an at-home test from a pharmacy. And after you've confirmed you're pregnant, then we can see about the next step. But relax, we're here for you.
0: And then she says, if you are pregnant, then you can contact us. And then we saw other cases where the people are pregnant and they go through the process of where you can get these pills, the misoprostol, the -the over-the-counter ulcer medicine. And she's very clear in saying, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a gynecologist. I am this person via Instagram giving you information, which is just very surreal, but that they have all the information that was like recommended by doctors.
1: It seems like there must be a calculation that these organizations have to make between wanting to give access to information to people who are desperately seeking it and also wanting to make sure that those seeking it know they're not doctors and needing to ensure that everything is done safely and if there is an emergency, that those asking for help are able to seek emergency care. Did you all talk about how they weigh those two things out?
0: Yes. The women that accompany people who want to realize an abortion at home with misoprostol or with other pills, over-the-counter medication. Give them all the information that they need to realize a safe termination of their pregnancy. If you are, you know, this many weeks pregnant, this is how many pills to take. You take one pill, you know, within these hours, and you take another pill. And they're very specific about if you have any hemorrhaging, if you are bleeding, if you have this, we cannot help you. That is when you need to go to a hospital. What they do help them also say is, do not say at the hospital that you took... Those pills just say that it's a spontaneous abortion because there's no way for them to know that you took those pills and that in Mexico it is illegal to abort. So there are cases of women across the country that are in prison for illegally terminating their pregnancy. Sofia told us that people think because it's clandestine and it's via WhatsApp, it's like very unsafe. La
1: Clandestiny doesn't equal unsafe. Clandestiny only means doing it illegally. And therefore, we go underground to be able to provide women with information that is scientific and objective. Now, it's important that women can have access to safe abortions, because it is their right and this information is public, and everyone should have access to it, whether they want to abort or not.
0: They're doing everything they can to not put uh, women's lives at risk and always recommending if they feel that their lives are at risk that they get the necessary medical care.
1: Andalusia met several organizers working to help people gain access to information about abortion. But not all groups go about it the same way.
0: Ironically, with this story, the two women that we interviewed are both named Sofia. One is Sofia with Morras, and one is Sofia Garduño, who works with the organization Fondo Maria. Fondo Maria is a bit more established organization that is an NGO, and Sofia Garduño spoke to us about these difficulties for women getting abortions during the COVID pandemic, and also the difficulty for them to get information. From the
1: 13 sexual and reproductive health clinics that offer legal interruption of abortions in Mexico City, right now, only five are open. There's a lot of misinformation about which services are being provided regularly and which are not.
0: So Fondo Maria focuses much more on helping women get access to the information. They're not as much focused on this accompanied process when they actually are doing the uh, misoprostol process. But they uh, want to make sure that women know that there are still abortion clinics open in Mexico City. And with pressure from organizations and working with the Mexico City government, made sure that these clinics stayed open.
1: Andalusia also told us that the pandemic has made it harder for women to find information even by traditional methods, like making a phone call, another reason why the services provided by these online activists have become even more useful for some.
0: In Mexico, it's very common that numerous members of a family live together. So therefore, the girl that wants to get an abortion might be making that call next to her grandfather, her mother, and that's very difficult. So that's where the social networks come in, both with Fondo Maria and also with Morras Help Morras, that it's important for women to be able to type it out, to text and to look for information without having to speak it out because they might not want anyone in their family to know that they are getting an abortion.
1: The abortion accompanyers provide more than logistical help. They put Andalusia in touch with women who've been through the experience and who say the accompanyers also provided emotional and psychological support. We're keeping their names private Here's one woman who sent us a message from Aguascalientes. I had an abortion in December of 2020, and I was supported by the collective Moras Help Moras. I saw on their social media that they offer information about how to perform an abortion safely. And I also contacted them because I needed emotional support. They were there for me to guarantee the process was safe. This woman is in Mexico City, where abortion is legal. She chose to do it at home for her comfort, and the support of her boyfriend.
0: They first added me into a group chat with different abortion accompanyers. There were psychologists and people with lots of experience. One of the psychologists hit me up privately and told me she was available if I needed to talk to someone. On the day of my abortion, they monitored me from the moment we agreed I was going to start the medication and support throughout the day. After my abortion, days later, they sent me an invite for a chat group with other women who also had aborted. They were women from different states. And I'm in a region where it's legal to have an abortion. But it was striking to see how women in other states are afraid for both. The process of abortion and the fear to be incarcerated because of it.
1: We wondered what the legal consequences might be for an abortion accompanier. So I asked Andalusia about it.
0: Sophia from Moras Help Morras, when I asked her how she does this every single day and is she worried, she actually said she's not worried about what could happen legally from the government, but she is very worried about the fundamentalists and that they could hack her phone, that they could attack her, that they could publish her information. She believes that they are the greatest risk to her. Health. And I think it's important that to know that they do take a uh, great security risk where we interviewed both Sophia's. It couldn't be known where we were interviewing them. We can never publish in the video show where they work from, and that they do have to take security risk so that other people do, do would not come and attack them.
1: So where is the federal government in all of this? Because it seems like women are coming up with their own solutions because there is no federal government action on the topic. So are are people organizing at the local level?
0: So last year, abortion was finally legalized at the end of the year in Argentina.
1: After a marathon session, 38 senators voted for legalizing terminations of up to 14 weeks.
0: It's a major victory for Argentina's women's rights activists. It was a very significant moment for all of Latin America. And women in Mexico started to feel that it is something that maybe could happen here. And that conditions are very similar in both countries because both countries are very Catholic. And the Catholic Church is the main opposition to abortion becoming legal. So every single day, the president has a conference in which he responds to reporters' questions. And right after that, a reporter asked him if that means then in Mexico it would become legalized. And the president, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, Said that, well, that was a decision taken by Argentina. In the case of Mexico, and with controversial topics, I've always held that citizens should be consulted. He does not see it as a right that women have, that it's more something that people should decide on their own. So that both that states could decide on their own, but that there would be kind of like a popular referendum. Whereas... If that did happen, the Catholic Church has a lot of power and a lot of money, in which fundamentalist groups would definitely mobilize in mass against that happening. And it's also important to mention that the Morena Party in power, which is considered a more progressive government, still has very strong conservative alliances. <laughs> So women, what they have been doing is organizing on a more local level. In 2019, activists in Oaxaca successfully got abortion to be decriminalized. And so now it's the only other state in addition to Mexico City.
1: But Andalusia says not all local efforts have been successful.
0: There have been numerous votes in the state of Veracruz it was turned down in the state of Hidalgo it was turned down and right now activists in Puebla which is very close to Mexico City actually where people can go from Puebla to Mexico City to get an abortion but they have been fighting really hard for abortion to be legalized they took over the Congress of Puebla in occupation that they had for over a month last year with feminist activists occupying the building in favor of uh, legalizing and right now it is being discussed in the Congress in Puebla and there will be A vote. What's not clear is if the vote will be in favor of abortion becoming legalized because pueblo is a state where religion has a lot of power and is very conservative.
1: So I want to talk about the Supreme Court and their role in all of this. Last year, the Supreme Court rejected a case that could have decriminalized abortion in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. Now, in doing the reporting on this, our producer, Nay Alvarez found out that the Supreme Court is currently scheduled to discuss three cases promoted by the National Human Rights Commission and the Office of the Attorney General. And two of them are related to that decriminalization of abortion. Another is related to certain parts of the health law. So there is another possibility for this to happen and potentially pass. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that's a possibility?
0: It's very interesting that the Supreme Court is set to discuss abortion, but there's very little information about these cases, but it is published that they will be analyzing two cases from Coahuila and Sinaloa, two states that are up north, the case where to challenge a law that says that life starts at conception. And that is the law that is criminalizes abortion. So if they are able to challenge the law saying that life does not start at conception, then it would be possible to decriminalize or legalize abortion.
1: The Supreme Court discussion was scheduled to take place in mid-May. But after our interview, activists told Andalusia that the court might push the discussion of the cases for later in June likely after the country's legislative election. So you're from the United States, but you have been living and working in Mexico covering gender issues for the past decade. How do you see this fight ending? Based on the people that you've talked to, are the majority of Mexicans ready for abortion to be legal?
0: I do still think it's a long way, always. One, that it will be legal on a national level. But I do think that state by state, there are more advances and there's more of uh, strength in the movement of women. And really, over the past few years, we've seen that just women fed up with this and a very militant movement that takes to the streets and that the government has had to respond because of the militancy of the movement. And I think that the... Government is realizing that they are a political force. So it's still, there's a lot of taboos against abortion. And so I think both socially and politically, we are still far from it becoming legalized on a grand scale. But that doesn't mean that there will not be advances little by little in Mexico.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez, with Dina Kispe, Priyanka Tilvey, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, Negin Oliei, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Tom Fenton is our story editor, and Stacy Samuel is the take's executive producer. Special thanks to Raji Ramanathan and Juliet Rushlow. We'll be back on Wednesday.